Welcome to your shelf. Or mine. Hi, I'm Becky Standle, Youth Services Librarian at the Longview Public Library. And I'm Jacob Collins, Library Technician at the Longview Public Library. And Youth Services also. That's the place to be. It is the place to be for you and for me. Welcome to the podcast, Jacob. Thank you. It's your first time. Sure is. It's been a long time coming. So um, we have to introduce you to all of our fans, all of our podcast fans. Tell us what you do at the library. Well, I do youth services programming along with Becky. So we do story times. Um, Before COVID, we did light craft programs, and we did rainbow community for teens and the teen program. And really just we did generally a lot of, like, kid-related stuff. And then I was on the desks, of course. And then right now I'm working the drive-through mostly and then assisting Becky with uh, end-of-summer reading things and planning for our next our next programs in the fall. Woohoo! And um, Jacob also does our youth volunteer program, which is on hiatus now also. All right, cool, Jacob. So what's your favorite thing at the library? Um, my favorite thing about working at the library, I guess, is the people. Um, I like interacting with the public. I think getting to meet all the members of our community is really special, and that's, I think, part of what makes our job great. I agree. Um, you know what I was thinking today? So I was filming that um, Fish Friday video, and I was thinking about how big uh, the feeder goldfish are, Frank and Joe. Oh, yeah. The Hardy, Hardy Boys. And they're going to have to go live in a pond really soon because they're too big. But it was making me think, like, if that's how much the fish have grown – since we closed like think of how much like the little kids that we used to see you know once or twice a week how big they are now (laughs) yeah they're gonna be so big it's been six months since we've seen most of them yeah except for changes at that age yeah sometimes you know like we'll see them in the back seat of the car but it's hard to tell how someone you know how much they've grown from from waving at them (laughs) (laughs) through the through the window let's see I have pulled up some really good would-you-rather questions. But before we do that, why don't you tell me about your favorite kind of stuff, like books, movies, TV shows, your favorite media? Okay. I think that my favorite genre in general is probably horror, um, and that applies for uh, TV series, movies, and books. Um, I read a lot of Stephen King, and I, I just enjoy, like, horror video games and different things like that. It's just a genre that I think is pretty interesting, and I like I like seeing it when it's really well done. We're going to be doing a Shining read slash reread coming up here on the podcast in two podcasts. So maybe you want to read that too. Sure. That will be a first time for me. I haven't read The Shining yet. Yeah. I, I read it. It's been a long time now, several years. Like, I read it, I think, after college. Anyways, but I remember reading it in the summer, like, you know, specifically, like, on purpose to read it in the summer so I could, like, sit outside in the sun and I wouldn't be afraid. (laughs) What I also was thinking earlier today that I was going to mention at the beginning but forgot was we're recording this a little bit early because I'm going to be on vacation, but it's actually 
the first episode of our third season of the podcast. Also, I'm part of the season three premiere. Yeah, exactly. Um, been doing it for two years. What a wild two years. Okay, Jacob, here's one for you. Are you All ready? Right. I'm ready. Okay. Would you rather be able to control animals, excluding humans, with your mind, or control electronics with your mind? So I'm one of those people who tries to game these questions and how I could benefit <laughs> most from them. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I would definitely take technology because you just walk up to any ATM and be like, hey, give me all your money mm-hmm. out of this ATM and then I'm rich. That's a very uh, Capricorn thing to say. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> um, is generally useful, too, because, like, I can control electronics. Like, I could, like, upgrade all of my stuff. You probably spend more time with electronics than you do with animals, too. Yeah. I, mean, I don't I guess... feel like I really need to control animals in most situations. Like, if I'm getting attacked by a lion or something, then it might be useful. But I don't want to, like, control what my cat does. Oh, yeah. What about you? Hmm. I guess I, I agree that electronics is probably a little bit more practical. Um, I guess then you could, does your car, does that mean, like, I could be driving and make, like, a red light green? I think so. Yeah. Okay, then I'd like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that question with Austin where it's like you hit all green lights, and it's like, yeah, you get that benefit too. (laughs) Um, I'm always looking for how to turn all the lights green. That's what I thought in the Avengers, that Scarlet Witch is like, well, she has crazy unlimited power, but one of the cool things she can do is just, like, turn red lights green. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What a great superpower. Hmm. Would you rather be able to dodge anything, no matter how fast it's moving, or be able to ask any three questions and have them answered accurately? Okay, so for the questions, is it just questions of the universe? Like, does the universe answer and tell me, or is this like I ask any three questions of any person I meet and they have to answer honestly? I think it's just three questions, and that's it. Not like three questions per person. Okay. I would choose the questions. You would choose the question. Yeah. I'm going back to the money thing. It's real Capricorn, but I'm just like, what are the winning lottery numbers tomorrow? (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. And then I could, like, if I wanted to, I could learn how I would die. Like, you know, because then I'd have, like, a clock of, like, how much time do I have left in my life? Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'd do with the third question. Bank it for later, maybe. Yeah, it's good to have questions saved. What if you could be, like, it could just be, like, um, that's hard. I mean, I guess I don't really find myself very often needing to dodge things. <laughs> but that's a power that you would have, for you know, for the rest of your life. You'd be like a dodgeball champion or something. Yeah, you could join a dodgeball league. You could go into combat, I guess. I don't, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> um, hmm. You could dodge your taxes. I could dodge that question. <laughs> <laughs> On to the next one. <sighs> Some of these these questions are just like. Are you on like a random generator? Um, it's just like a list. Okay. Oh, this is a good one. Would you rather be a reverse centaur, so a human body horse's head, or reverse mermaid, human body fish head? 
Ooh. I feel like you can't win with either one of those. They're both e- pretty equally terrible. <laughs> I'd rather have the horse head because then you could still live, you know, on land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'd, I'd go with that. I don't like horses. Like, they kind of make me uncomfortable, so that would be, like, the rest of my life. Hey, look. <laughs> <laughs> you probably would get comfortable with horses. I feel like one of those people who wears the horse mask. Except it's my real head. Wasn't there like a um, like a commercial, like one of those weird insurance commercials where the guy he was like he had a motorcycle for his body? Do you remember this commercial? I feel like that was a Jack in the Box commercial. Oh, maybe. And they're like something, something, and he was like, "Oh, I, I have wanted it to be the other way, where it's like the top half is a motorcycle." I don't know. It's so weird. Would you rather your only mode of transportation be a donkey or a giraffe? A giraffe is more majestic and probably faster, but, like, donkey is probably more all-terrain. I would pick donkey. Donkeys are easier to take care of. And also, giraffes have, like, really slanty backs. That's true. Um, (laughs) Would you rather only be able to use a fork or only be able to use a spoon? Damn. I love soup, so it's like, how would, I would never be able to really eat soup again. You could just drink it. That's true. You convinced me. I'll go with fork. <laughs> this is like half of Becky and I's conversations. I'm like, what about this thing? And she's like, no, this thing. And I'm like, yeah, that thing. <laughs> You're right. Uh, I mean, foods can still do a lot of things, but I would probably pick fork. Yeah, it's really hard to eat noodles with a spoon. Unless you also have a fork. But do I get chopsticks? Like, that's the... Um, it's, yeah, it just says use a fork, no spoon, or spoon, no fork. It doesn't say that you can't use other utensils. Oh, okay, then I don't even need a fork. I'll just use chopsticks, and I'll keep the spoon. Okay. I mean, really, or you could have two spoons, and then you just use the handles of the spoons. Mmm. <laughs> 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 uh, would you rather have to read aloud every word you read... Or sing everything you say out loud. Um, I think I'd rather just go with their reading. Read out loud everything? Yeah. I'd pick sing. I think you like singing a lot more than I do, though. (laughs) Right, Paige? I pretty much do that anyway. Okay, let's do one more. One more, okay. Okay. Would you rather have all dogs try to attack you when they see you, or all birds try to attack you when they see you? Hmm... I feel like called dogs, and I'd go with that because then I would just get in my car, and I think I would win that battle. I wouldn't with birds though; they would just fly away, and I feel like birds would like go through my chimney and stuff. You know, that'd be yeah, like in the movie Birds, and yeah. they like peck at you. But on the other hand, would it make it so like my dogs would always be trying to attack me? I think so. I mean, they're dogs. Then I guess I'd pick birds, because I wouldn't want my dogs to change like that. Yeah, I wouldn't. If it was uh, cats or birds, I would not go with cats. I would go with birds. I like my kitties too much. You like your kitties too much. Um, You've been spending a lot of time with your cats. Tell us about your cats, Jacob. So I have two cats. I have a nine-year-old flame point Siamese named Jasper. Um... He was a rescue cat that was left out overnight um, in, a, in a cold August morning 
in a box with his siblings, and he was the only one left that made it. And then then I took him in when the Humane Society offered him up for adoption. And then he got, like, sick, like, right after that. And they were like, oh, we'll we'll take him back for you. Um, You know, you probably don't want a sick cat. And then I was was like, no, I want to take care of him. And uh, then he ended up getting better, and he's been with me for a while. So he's, like, my cat. My second cat is Caden. And we got him out front of a Safeway, <laughs> just handing out cats. And we were like, impulse, all right, we'll get this kitten. It's adorable. So and both of your cats came from boxes? They did, yeah, both box cats. Yeah. And they like to sit in boxes now. Oh, that didn't traumatize them? No. <laughs> um, that makes me think of the movie Oliver and Company. You know that movie? I do, yeah, that was a good movie. Um, now I've got the so- soundtrack going in my head. Yeah, isn't it like Billy Joel? Ooh, I don't know. I think it is, but I'm not for sure. So have you um, been spending a lot of time with Jasper and Caden since um, the pandemic started? I did for the first couple of months when I wasn't, or when I was working from home. Um, so it was nice to just like have the ability to work and like kind of just sit on my chair. And then I would have my cat on my lap, like as I was working on my laptop, Jasper. And so, yeah, I spent a lot of time with Jasper over that time, and it's been nice. Um, now that we're kind of going back to a little bit more normal in terms of hours at, at the library, like, it's just kind of, you know, gone back to how it was before, which was I see him when I get home. Mm-hmm. But, so what kind of stuff were you doing um, during, during stay home? So for a while I was building book lists. Um, so I went through and I was trying to find recommended books for, like, the theme of summer reading, which was um, Imagine Your Story. So I was looking up, like, fairy tales and stuff about dragons and unicorns. Yeah, all like, those book lists are still up on our bead sack, too. Oh, cool. So, yeah, spent, that took a while to curate those. And what were you doing up for fun? Oh, what was I doing for fun? Oh, <laughs> I thought you meant for work. I know what you're doing. Well, I guess other people don't know. But. So I mostly play video games. I got caught up on a few that I was behind on. I finished Outer Worlds, which came out, like, in November, and I'd been putting off because I was going to school at the time, and it was just, it just fell on the back burner. And I've just played a couple of other games, like The Last of Us and The Last of Us 2, recently, now that I've been stuck at home, and getting into some other, like, tabletop role-playing games that I've played um, over Discord and Roll20. Weren't you playing that one game? That's specific. Uh, you know that cute game everyone was playing? Oh, Animal Crossing. Yeah. Yeah, I played a lot of Animal Crossing. But not for a while. Yeah. I think I I think I overplayed it and really burned myself out. And I, mm-hmm. I, I haven't really played since, like, middle the middle of June. But I'll get back to it. Yeah, it seemed like a lot of people I knew were playing Animal Crossing in, like, April, May. It was like everyone was playing Animal Crossing and watching that tiger show. Yeah. But I didn't do either of those things. Carol Baskins. Did you watch that show? I did not. Yeah. Tiger King? Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Animal Crossing and Tiger King. Making sourdough. I didn't do any of those things. <laughs> sourdough. <laughs> what did you do? What did I do? Well, um, what did I do? What was I doing in April? I feel like I was, working. like, working a lot. I just had, like, a lot of ennui where I just, like, lay around and, like, wonder what was going to happen. Um, I started to watch New Girl again, and then I abandoned it. And 
Um, I just watch some other sitcoms and stuff too. The normal stuff that I watch when I need a comfort TV show. Parks mm-hmm. and Rec, Friends. Um, oh, Crazy I remember. I, I don't think I had. I didn't really watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because you know, maybe a little bit. I watched like a lot of videos and stuff. But um, Adam Schlesinger, who's like the the main songwriter for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, died of COVID pretty early on. And so, like, when that happened, I, like, was listening to a lot of, a lot of his hilarious, wonderful music and, and stuff. But I, yeah, I wasn't really rewatching this show. I should, though. It's so good. I was just asking you if you were going to start watching that again. Yeah. It's on the list. I think we're going to do it after uh, Lucifer. Just, you only have one season of Lucifer to watch? Yeah, and it's not, I don't even think it's a full season. I think it's a half season. Because, um, you know, it's the I think it's season five, part one, and it just dropped on Netflix, I think, less than a week ago. I remember I watched Tangled, and uh, I was like, oh, this is about, like, you know, she's trapped in a tower, and she can't leave, and... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it really seems like really there. fitting for the moment. <laughs> yeah, if she leaves, then, like, you know, her mom will get sick like literally the plot of the movie so <laughs> <laughs> uh but i guess that's the plot of a lot of disney movies or movies about like princesses it's like you can't go do what you want to do and then they do it anyways okay well today we are here to talk about a book recommended by a favorite actor artist or musician actually i think was the category I picked a book recommended by Conan O'Brien. He's like, he's kind of a little bit of all of those things. Actor, writer, musician. Probably not in the way I was like kind of intending it when I made that category. Uh, because he like, he's a comedy writer. He kind of acts, kind of. And he plays, you know, instruments and stuff on a show, but. Mm-hmm. I picked um, Conan O'Brien as my person to recommend me a book because I saw that he had recently recommended Jim Carrey's new book, which is called Memoirs and Misinformation, which he co-wrote with a journalist, I think is his, his regular gig, um, named Dana Vashon. So that's what I picked. What did you pick? So I have a comedian, or he calls himself a humorist named Adam Buckley. His um, handle is Adosa Buckley, and I support him on Patreon, and I decided to hit him up and message him for book recommendations, and he recommended Choke by Chuck Palahniuk, so that's what I ended up reading. Um, I was thinking about it a little, because you were like, kind of telling me about the book, and I've never read Choke, the only book of uh, Chuck, how do you say his last name? Palahniuk. Polonics that I've ever read is Fight Club. Um, but I think they're both kind of in the same genre, like the one that I read and the one that you read, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't you go first and tell tell us about Choke. All right. Well, Choke follows Victor Mancini, who is a sex addict with a terrible relationship with his mother, who was, like, abusive, and she was just kind of, like, not all there. And um, she is now sick in the hospital with dementia, and he's taking care of her um, by means of he has her in an institution. And in order to pay her medical bills, he pretends to choke at restaurants. And when people save him, 
then he, you know, they correspond back and forth through written mail, and he'll say that he'll have, he'll need help with specific bills, and because people have saved his life, they have kind of a, like a complex for like a, a savior complex for him, so they'll send him money. And so he's gone to like all these different restaurants. Um, he's in, I think it said over 300 in the book, and all these people are just sending him money, and this is what he's using to pay for those medical bills. Oh. And so it just kind of follows this character around as you kind of learn a bit about his, um, about his history with his mom and then like, and then what, what he's doing now and like, what is he going to do to help save his mom? Because there's some experimental treatment that he's offered to help save her, but he's not sure whether he should. So what's the style of the book? Is it like weird? So yeah, it's, I mean, it's a Chuck Palahniuk book, so it's, it's satirical, it's, dark humor um it, it's very it's very dark and um and yeah it was like the the way that it the way that it's written is just very odd um is it first person yeah it's first person uh, for the most part um it's sometimes in third person like when he's in his flashbacks he refers to himself as like a stupid little boy or like oh you know this little stinker or you know whatever um, as he's referring to himself as, like, his younger self. But in the present times, it's first person. So did you like it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel like I liked the, the comedy part of it. Um, I feel like I did get a lot out of the dark humor and the, the sort of the satirical aspect of it. And there were just a few moments that, like, there was one in particular that really made me laugh where he's, like, going through... Uh, the cards that he's been given and he's reflecting on the amount of money that he's gained. And he's like, well, I really need to hit up like a rich person to save me. Like none of these poor people need to save me. You know, I need this money. <laughs> and it was just like the <laughs> the thought of like, how would someone think like that? Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. I guess it caught me off guard and it just, I found that pretty funny. So, yeah. It was, there was a lot going on. Yeah. How, but it's not very long. It was about 300 pages. Okay. Um, that's what I call a book-length book. So, Memoirs of Misinformation, I think is weirder than the book that you read. And it's like, um, the main character is like a fictional version of Jim Carrey. And um, it's just so bizarre. So, I listened to the audiobook, which is read by Jeff Daniels, um, friend to Jim Carrey. And he did like a pretty good job. There was... So there's, like, other famous characters in the book. Like, Nick Cage is in it. Oh, my gosh, I'm forgetting. Kelsey Grammer. Kanye West makes an appearance late in the book. Um, Charlie Kaufman and Anthony Hopkins are both in it. And in, and he doesn't really do the voices. And I kind of wish he would because some of those actors have really distinct voices like Nick Cage does and mm-hmm. Kelsey Grammer for sure does. And like sometimes he like would say things in a very like uh in a very like Jim Carrey way or sometimes like occasionally be like, oh that's kind of that reminds me of Nicholas Cage. Um but I wish he did that like a little bit more. But overall I think he does like a good job of reading the book. And I kind of rushed through it at the end so we could talk about it today and just like sat and listened to it. And I think it needs kind of like a slower read. So this is what it's about. So fictional Jim Carrey, the book opens and he's like watching Netflix and he's really unhappy and like the first chapter is him kind of describing the stuff that he's watching on Netflix. <laughs> 
And then it's like, how did he get this way? And so then it goes back in time. So it starts like him watching Netflix is like present day or whatever, like 2019. And then it goes back in time. I feel like it may be 15, 10 or 15 years. So um, he's done after the movie, I love you, Philip Morris. He's like trying to like, I don't know, get back in the game or whatever, acting wise. And his, like all these things happen and the timeline is kind of hard to follow, but he ends up um, meeting this woman who he like watched a show that she was on. She's an actress and she played like a, like a Russian agent, um, but she'd gotten famous from being on Survivor and they get married and it's all totally bizarre. Anyways, I see he's trying to decide on his like next acting gig. He's approached by uh, Charlie Kaufman, who's the uh, screenwriter for like being John Malkovich. And he did Return of Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and adaptation. And he has this new idea he wants him to do where um, he's going to play himself, Jim Carrey, in a movie where he's been, like, possessed by the spirit or soul of Chairman Mao. And it's going to be like a Mao biopic, but where he's inside of the actor Jim Carrey. And so he's like, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> so <laughs> weird. Um, but then he starts, like, channel him, and it becomes, like, too much. All this bizarre stuff happens, and... He ends up instead going um, for being like a voice in the new um, Hungry Hungry Hippos movie. <laughs> and it's like, it's like sometimes like I'm like kind of confused and then it'll get into like a point in the book where things are happening kind of more in a regular narrative way. Like his wife has like a side part where she's trying to become like a serious, more serious actress. And she like goes to get like some fillers done, like on a wrinkle and the plastic surgeon or dermatologist convinces her to get this other thing. And she has a reaction to it. And it's like, I get what that's doing. And then, and then it'll just like totally become like way more absurd in a way, like not, like necessarily ready for and i wonder if i'd read it like as a book if it might be like a little bit easier to follow meanwhile nick cage and kelsey Grammer, gwyneth paltrow goldie hahn who else these people are in they have like they follow this guru person and like a cult type of thing essentially but jim carrey was also in and they come back at the end because it turns into like an apocalyptic novel by the end where like aliens have come. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it's so bizarre. And it's like, it's really funny. There's parts where it's just like, you know, poking fun at Hollywood and like these specific actors who it seems like he knows them his friends with. And uh, sometimes just like the, like the, the writing like on a sentence level is very funny like he'll use like really funny metaphors and similes and stuff that just made me laugh but um it's like you said like i don't know if i liked it really <laughs> <laughs> i like it might be worth like reading again um like as a book yeah or even just like listening to it again i don't know it's so weird um and then the so it's it feels like mostly it's fiction like 
there are parts where he talks about like his childhood, like especially like his father, which I know is like, you know, factual, like real memoir type of stuff where he has like little flashbacks to like stories about his father and his childhood and stuff. And he talks a little bit. So when he's in the in the Hungry Hungry Hippos movie, he's like acts through a simulation and he's acting alongside the essence of Rodney Dangerfield, who's playing this rhinoceros in the Hungry Hungry Hippos movie. So and like he's been dead for a while. Mm-hmm. So he like his family like sold his essence in this book to whatever Hasbro to make pictures and stuff. I don't know. It's it's so weird. But Rodney Dangerfield was like a real like mentor for Jim Carrey and it kind of has like a like a little sentimental moment inside of like the ridiculousness of it. Mm-hmm. Um anyways, it's a really interesting kind of experimental novel. So if that sounds at all interesting to you, I recommend you try it. But if you're like that sounds crazy, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, really I'm a fan of Jim Carrey. Yeah, did you watch um the the documentary on Netflix about him making that um that one movie? The Truman Show? No. There's a lot in this book that kind of recalls the Truman Show. No, the one where he played that act that comedian. I can I remember. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but I didn't even know it was on Netflix, so I'll check it out. Yeah, it's um it's been there probably for a couple of years, I think. Um, let me see. Let me see. So the movie, um, Sonic the Hedgehog, that's his new movie. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. Did you like it? I did like it. It was, um, it was very, like, definitely a kid's movie, you know? Like, they threw in adult jokes, as they always do. Um, and I feel like they did a pretty good job of, like, kind of pandering to, like, the kids like me that, like, grew up with Sonic games and, like, recalling some of the, some of the, like, different aspects of that and, like, a, fl- a callback to some of the games. But, you know, when your main character is, a char- you know, someone who can run across the entire world in, like, two seconds and then they spend most of the journey in a car going from, you know, somewhere to... San Francisco is just like, eh, all right. Well, he has to travel with a person, though. Because he doesn't know where he's going. Oh, okay. You know, because maps don't exist. <laughs> sure. The The movie I was thinking about is Man on the Moon. So he plays Andy Kaufman. He's a comedian. And the, the documentary is mostly about making that movie. So he did, like, I can't remember what things are called. What's it called when actors, like are, like, totally in character all of the time. Method acting. Oh, method acting, yeah. Yeah, so he totally... Yeah, he totally did that, but he said, like, it felt like he was, like, almost, like, possessed with, like, the spirit of of, um, Andy Kaufman while they were making that movie. Um, So it's an interesting documentary, and he talks in that about his, his... childhood and his relationship with his father and stuff too it's called jim and andy the great beyond a behind the scenes look at how jim carrey adopted the persona of idiosyncratic comedian Andy kaufman on the set of man on the moon and it really like drove people nuts like because he wouldn't like they couldn't talk to jim carrey i think that would drive me nuts (laughs) snap out of it 
We're trying to have a conversation here. I saw a funny onion article. Who's Jim Carrey? Right. <laughs> yeah, I saw a funny onion article recently about method acting. It was like method actor, like, you know, his whole thing is that he's a jerk to everyone on set, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm acting. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but I was, re- I was reading some, like, interviews and stuff uh, about – with Jim Carrey and Dana Vachon, his co-writer, um, about the book last night after I finished it, because I was like, this is bizarre. And I guess they spent, like, eight years working on this book together. And, like, Jim Carrey lives in L.A., and I think that Dana lives in, like, New York, and so that they would just be, like, on Skype, like us. And Jim Carrey would just be, like, telling him the stuff. And the guy would be, like, writing it down, and they put it together. Kind of, like, an interesting, long writing process. Jim Carrey is a real interesting fellow. Have you seen his, like, art? I have, yes. Yeah. Um, I would say it's very bizarre. It's very, like, political. Definitely that that style is in his writing, too. Oh, okay. So, yeah, and you can kind of see, like, his concerns with, like, celebrity and... um, the idea, like, of, like, owning your yourself, I guess. Yeah. It's definitely, like, a real different kind of book. Yeah. So you're going to pick it up? I think so. I don't know if I'll get to it right away, but especially since you just gave me three books to read. <laughs> well, those are pretty short books that I gave you today. And two of them are comic books. So I'll you very long. The cover of this book is, like, Half of it is like a picture of Jim Carrey. I guess this is an interesting story, too. A number of years ago, he got a call from, like, his agent or assistant or somebody who works for him because there had been, like, a false, um, like, a false alarm, like an accidental, like, emergency message that had gone out that said that, like, missiles were coming to wherever in L.A. that they lived and that they had, like, ten minutes before they land there, and basically everyone was going to die. Wow. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah. Me neither. And he was, like, on the phone with her and, like, accidentally, like, took a selfie. Mm-hmm. Like, he squeezed his phone, you know? And so they used – he used that picture for the cover of the book of, like, the moment he thought he had ten minutes left to live. That sounds like a very Jim Carrey thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, and then in this interview I was reading about, it was with the L.A. Times, I think, and he was talking about, like, after, like, the initial panic, he was just, like, he tried to call his daughter, and then he went outside on his, you know, patio or whatever, and just, like, thought about his life and, like, what he had to be grateful for, and, like, felt kind of peaceful about it, and then it turned out he wasn't going to die, and there weren't missiles coming, so that's something that's, like, an experience that he's channeled into his book, too. Because the end does come at the end of this book. So bizarre. So do you think that, um, do you think it was like a good, your book was like a good recommendation? Would you trust the recommendation of, I forget the name of your person. Adam Buckley. Adam Buckley? Yeah, I, well, he recommended five books to me and said, you know, just pick whichever one. And two of the ones that he recommended I had already read, which were um, Darkly Dreaming Dexter by Jeff Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Um, which I had actually just finished a month before I asked. Um, I was doing a rewatch of Dexter on Netflix. And so. Have you read more than that? More Dexter books? 
No, I haven't. I haven't read any of the the further ones just because they weren't available on our online services. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was meaning to pick those up um, on an audiobook, like try to buy them, but I just never got around to it. Um, but yeah, we we don't have them. Um, the first one was really good. I I liked it a lot, and it covered pretty similarly to like the first season of Dexter, but there was quite a bit of like variance, especially later in the book of like where it diverts completely from where the TV show went. So it's a it's kind of a different experience. It's like The Walking Dead mm-hmm. where the the comic series and the and the TV series are just completely separate. You know, they have the same foundation, but a lot of it changes as it goes. It has its own direction. Mhm. And the other one that I had read was Battle Royale, which I had read a couple of years ago and despite it being like extremely dark and gruesome, I really did like it. Um it kind of filled that horror niche that I really like. So it was just a different, more of a psychological horror. But yeah, it's, a, you know, that's the whole tagline for the movie that was made that was based on it was like, oh, it was, you know, too controversial to be aired in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So, which, of course, is a sales pitch in and of itself. Sure. Good to get it aired in the U.S. Right. <laughs> well, do you remember the other ones that he recommended? Yeah. Um, the other one, one of the other ones was a collection of four Stephen King novels, I think. Um, I think it's called the Bachman books or Bachman books. Oh, uh-huh. Um, that was the other one. And I, I was really torn between Choke and that one because I know I like Stephen King, but I decided to gamble on Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah. And the other one was the first book of the Jack Reacher series. Oh, you've never read any of those? I haven't either. Those are all pretty popular books that he picked for you. And kind of mostly in that, like, a weird, horror-y... Horror, <laughs> horrific vein. <laughs> I said horror-y last time, and I was talking to Jennifer too. Horror. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason why I like his humor is because it's so dark, mm-hmm. and then he's, you know, he does a lot of social commentary, and so I think that like that's also one of the reasons why I went in for a recommendation. I because I kind of figured, you know, his style of humor is obviously something I enjoy already, so things he enjoy joys i might enjoy as well and I, I don't think i necessarily dislike um choke as a as a book it just wasn't it just really didn't click for me like i kept kind of reading expecting it all to come together and just kind of like click and it just never did i just kind of felt like i was always waiting for for something to happen in the plot that would really change the book like how to make the yeah yeah or even just like bring all of what i had already read together and, like, kind of wrap it in a bow and be like, all right, that's the end. And it just didn't happen that way. Yeah. Sometimes books need a twist. Like, I think that's what makes, a, like, a really good twist or what makes a twist work. It's if it, like, yeah, like, changes something so that the perspective of everything that already has happened is different now in a way that makes it all make more sense than it did before. Mm-hmm. Like in Fight Club. Right. Did you read Fight Club? No, I saw the movie, though. Um, it's basically the same. I I feel like it's a very close, faithful movie adaptation. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good twist. There there was like I think two twists in it. Am I should I spoil it or should I not spoil it? Go ahead and spoil it. All right, here we go. So <laughs> one part of the book is where there's this woman who he thinks is taking care of his mom while she's sick, you know, in this hospital that she's at. 
And this woman kind of, like, comes on to him and then founds out that she has this, like, experimental, like, thing that she wants to do where she wants to take, like, the tissue from, like, a fetus and, like, inject it into his his mom's brain to, like, cure her brain disease. And so, like, but, you know, in order for them, they need to get together for that to happen because she needs the she needs the baby, right? But he just, oh, okay. but he just can't do, he can't, he's a sex addict, but he, he's like, oh, I actually like this woman. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I just can't, like, I can't get with her. Um, and so they try, but it just doesn't work. And then it later on in the series, you know, in the, in the book, you find out that she's actually a patient at the hospital and she's not actually this real doctor. And um, it, it just completely blew my like suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. in the book because it was like, wait, they're just allowing this woman to walk around in a lab coat pretending she works there. Like, what's going on here? That makes me think of this teen book that I read that was really, really bizarre. Oh, what was the name of that book? Um, I think it's by Mindy McGinnis, who writes like sometimes like horror, but like the beginning of the book, I was like, is this book just like poorly written? Like, what's going on? It's so bizarre. This book is called This Darkness Mine. And then it changes like halfway through and becomes like a horror novel. So the beginning, it was like, she's like, she's like this goody two shoes type of girl in high school. And she's like in band and she's like high achieving. And then all of a sudden she like really is into this boy, like obsessed with him. And she finds out that she has like a, like a twin. Like she, you know, like absorbed her twin in utero. And that's the twin that's like attracted to him. Oh. And then she starts to be able to hear the twin. And then the twin starts making her like do weird stuff. And then, um, like halfway through the book, she like jumps out of her window and like hurts herself and is committed to like a hospital for youth, troubled youth. And then it just becomes totally bizarre. It's like two different books. <laughs> Which one is really in control? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, her twin, her, I don't know. And <laughs> it's so weird. It's like a soap opera, like, you're kind your of, evil twin. But then it gets, I mean, it gets really dark by the end. Where she, like, gosh, does she, I think she tries to, like, cut her out of her. It gets, like, real, like, gross and dark. What a weird book that was. <laughs> Sounds like a trip. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think we have that at the library if you want to read it. It's called Destructive Mind. I only gave it two stars, though. This is what I said. I said WTF. Is <laughs> <laughs> that it? No, I said other stuff. Um, I can't see it in the app because I have spoiler tags on it, so I can't see what I wrote. Oh. Anyways, whatever. Just a Did wild you... ride. It was just a wild. Well, I mean, I almost just stopped reading it because the first half was so dumb. And then I was like, wait, what? I don't think I it's think... been a while since I've read a book that was just so bad that I just put it down. I don't even remember the last book where I did that. But, you know, sometimes you just hit those and you're just like, yeah, this is garbage. I did that a couple of times. Uh last year where I was like I'm not going to keep reading this 
But I normally do try to to finish. And normally when I put a book down and that takes me a lot while to get back to it, it's not necessarily because I wasn't liking it. Um, it feels like it's more of like a mood thing. Mm-hmm. Did you read any uh, pandemic books? Like pandemic-themed books? Yeah. No, I didn't. Although today, because I was checking in this new YA book, and there was one on there called Agnes at the End of the World, and that's about like a pandemic, I think. It's like a dystopian science fiction book, and there's a pandemic in it. Um, And there was another book, I think. But no, I think um, this Jim Carrey book is probably like the most apocalyptic book I've read for a, for a while. I was just kind of trying to read non, non-stressful non books. <laughs> you know, stuff that's fun. I've been really kind of in the mood for reading um, just like fantasy. My, my Goodreads app is different now. So I just read like the Cinderella, Cinderella retelling called The Blood Spell. It was alright. It was an enjoyable book. I read that Heartstopper comic that I gave you to read today. That was really good. The Guinevere Deception is another fantasy I read, which is a retelling of a King Arthur story. Just mm. like fantasy retellings, I guess that's what I feel like reading. <laughs> it goes along with our summer reading, kind of. Yeah, that's why. Maybe that's why. I don't think that is why, but. Yeah, and then like a lot of the books that I've actually been able to finish were ones that I talked about on that podcast before. Oh, I read The Midnight Lie. That's a YA um, fantasy romance. So, yeah, what have you been? You've been reading more this summer than the Jacob normally reads, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've mostly been reading tabletop role-playing game books, though. Mm. So it's not, like, fiction or anything. Um, I mean, there's fiction involved, like, you know, world-building and stuff that's that's involved. And one of them is Mutant Year Zero, uh, which is about a like post-apocalyptic setting where... Um, your characters are like mutants who are all living in this like world that you know all broken down and you're just trying to scavenge but all of your people like you can't have children like everyone's sterile so it's the the plot of the game is that your characters are trying to figure out like how do we save our people like what 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 can we do um and it's also just about like going out into the world and like discovering it because you've been trapped on the ark for a while because the rules were like, you're not allowed to leave. Like it's safe here. Like, you know, you know, you have to make sure that as many of us are alive as possible, but due to the, some of the reasons in the game, you just like kind of forced out into the world and you're just kind of discovering like all of the remnants of what's left behind. So is that, so you read one of those books and then you play the game? Yeah. Um, I'm reading the, the player section. So it talks about like what the players know, um, and then, like, the rules of the game for, like, how, like, how rolling works and, like, how, like, if you have a challenge, like, what are the rules for, like, how do you try to overcome the challenge and stuff like that. Um, and then the, the person who runs the game, the game master, they have their own section of the book where that's, like, the, the actual story. So they're, like, the storyteller who's, like, revealing little bits of information in the story to the players as they play. Until so, you know, they finally get the whole, like, big story revealed. So if you are not the game master, you don't want to have read the book beforehand. Correct, yeah. Because that would spoil it for you. Right, exactly. Okay. And some some people, to uh, avoid that, or just because they like telling their own stories, they'll just make up their own plot. In that yeah. same world with the same characters? Yeah, yeah. Or they'll even, like, use, like, just the rules and just take away, like, the setting. And they'll just, like, 
put in their own setting and their own story and just, you know, they're only using the rules so that way, you know, how you play is consistent. So are you starting that game soon? We started it back almost a year ago now, um, but I'd like to give the rule books a reread every so often. How long does it take you to play one of those? It depends. Um, I've had, I ran a game that lasted for over seven years and it's not done yet. Whoa. Um, and it's, it's on hiatus, but it will come back. Um, but normally I would say that if you were meeting regularly, like once a week, you can finish most campaigns in like a year. Um, but of course, like real life happens, there's holidays, birthdays, pandemics, yeah, pandemics, crazy life (laughs) events, um, so you're looking more at like a year and a half to two years to finish like a what I would consider a normal length game. But some people will cut out a little bit of like what they consider filler or um, just kind of really get it down to the bare bones. So you're, you know, you're completing the game much faster. That's a big it, commitment. Yeah. And one that a lot of people don't stick to because it's like, ooh, new game. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm tired of this other one. I've been playing for months. Yeah, I could still struggle. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine. How many people play? In, you mean, like, in general or, like, in my group? So, if, like, in this book, this one book that you were just talking about, how many people do you need to play it? Oh, um, two is, like, the minimum. Oh, you can play with just two? Yeah, um, that's two players, though, and then the the storyteller, so that'd be, like, three people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're playing with, um, with a total of five people, so there's the, there's the GM and then four players. Um, and that's, like, a pretty, that's a pretty good group size. I would consider that average. Normally four players is pretty pretty standard. But if you end up in a like a game shop, like game shops typically run with more people because there's more people there and you want to include everyone so you can get up to some big groups of like seven to eight or even like twenty people. And then yeah. it just gets to where, you know, no one gets the spotlight because <laughs> you know So if you're playing a game like that and like there's one time someone doesn't come, you just play without him? Our group cancels our sessions. Uh, we'll just cancel and do something else, like play board games, or um, sometimes, like, because we're kind of more socially distanced right now, um, we'll do, like, computer games mm-hmm. together um, if someone can't make it. Uh, some groups choose to play without people, and then they'll, like, make up some excuse for, like, why the character leaves for a bit, or, like, you know in Mutant, if you're going out into the, into the what they call the zone, like, the unknown, um, you might say, oh, your character has these other obligations on the arc and can't leave, or... So, you know, you're stuck, and you can't play until they come back. Right. Like on a sitcom, when someone leaves for maternity leave. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh, she's on she's on a jury. That's yeah, what jury they did. On, a new girl. They sent Jess out for jury duty. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's you know. what she was doing for a few months while the show went on without her. What was the, um, I, I can't remember what the phrasing was for, like, in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, where they changed the, the actor in the last season. What was, like, they made reference to it, right? They did. Um, yeah, so he comes back after a season and a half being, like, the character was away. And um, Rebecca's, like, you know, he looks completely different. And everybody else is like, what are you talking about? He's always looked like that. You know, like, the, the, the idea was that, like, she's changed or whatever, and that's why he looks different or better. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Well, you work with what you got. Yeah. It is kind of weird, though. Like, I like that actor that they hired to replace Greg, but, like, not as much 
as um, I like Santino Fontana. So, you know, and it's also hard. You just get used to one person, and then then it just, like, doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not the same person. It doesn't even matter if they're better. It's not what I'm used to. (laughs) Exactly. I liked what I had because it was familiar. I watched a show called uh, Day 5, and the, the whole premise of the show is, like, if you fall asleep, you die. And when it gets from the first season to the second season, there's, like, a obviously the year transition between filming, and one of the characters is, like, a 12-year-old or something. And so, like, you know, that age bump from 12 to 13 is pretty big. And, you know, he looks much older, and, of course, he's taller. Mm-hmm. And how they address it in the show is, like, in the first, like, scene that they're in, um, one of the characters looks over to that to the child and is pretty much just like, and you look like you've aged in a day, or, you know, a year and a whole day or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, yeah, I like it. Gosh, it made me think of something, but I it's just like sitting in the back of my head, and I don't know what it is. Oh, well. Let's tell everybody about what we have coming up in the fall for programming for youth. 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 So we're going to start September 21st, correct? Right. Um, with weekly preschool toddler crafts to go so that the, you can pick up a craft supply packet in the drive-thru and then watch our instructional video on YouTube. And the first one we're doing is Scarecrow. Scarecrows, yeah. Is that correct? That's correct. Scarecrow. So that'll be good. And then that Wednesday, that's a Monday that that starts. And then Wednesday we'll start doing our Facebook Live story times again. And if you're not on Facebook, that's okay. You can still just, like, go to the library's Facebook page and watch our story times. You don't have to have, like, a Facebook account. It might, like, kind of pop up and be like, join Facebook. But you can just say, like, no. (laughs) And then still see the stuff on our page. And then we are going to be trying out the Kids Book Club via Zoom. Uh, We are going to read... I love you, Michael Collins. I love you, Michael Collins, which is about um, a girl the summer of 1969 that um people went to the moon so it's like this starts at the end of her school year they get the kids she's 10 i think the kids get an assignment to have to write to one of the astronauts and she picks michael collins because nobody else is picking him like everyone's picking either like buzz aldrin yeah buzz aldrin's like he's so funny and cool and then neil armstrong is like we're not neil armstrong um yeah what am I saying? But she picks Michael Collins. Yes. Or the kids are picking the Armstrong because he's like, you know, cute and stuff. So, um, but she picks him because he's like kind of left behind. And then as the story goes on, she really relates to him because he's going to be the one who's actually like left behind on the um, space shuttle. Mm-hmm. While the other two guys get to go set foot on the moon. And that kind of like ties into how she's feeling about her family that summer. And it's just like a really good book. I liked it a lot, and I think the kids will like it a lot. So we're going to try that on Zoom, see how it goes. Those books can be picked up in the drive-thru, the library drive-thru. We've got a limited number of free copies for the kiddos, and we recommend that book club for grades 3 through 5. And then what else? We've got our adult crafts slash teen crafts. Adult slash teen crafts. That's going to start um, in October, but the first one is going to be an embroidery craft. Jennifer's gonna do, and then we'll have a kids craft for a, like a monthly older kids craft too. We also have a Discord now. Yeah, tell us about that. What's Discord? So Discord is an online chat app where you can 
just, I mean, it's, it has other services for like video calling and, um, just audio calling. Um, but basically like you join a server for a topic that you're interested in. Um, and then you can join specific channels within the server to communicate with other people who are within the server. Um, about whatever topic. So there's ones for video games, there's ones for um, libraries and um, other organizations. And so we're going to have ours um, for the library in a general channel where we can just chat about library stuff. There'll be announcements, so you'll hear about some um, new programs or like updates on COVID library-related news. And then we're going to have a Rainbow Community channel for teens um, that teens can join. Um, just getting approval from the moderators, just ask to join and we'll let you in. Yeah. So we're trying to find ways um, that we can connect with, with our kiddos and our teens, even though we won't be able to open um, for a while. Still. <laughs> <laughs> we still don't know when we'll be able to open. But yeah, I hope I hope that people hop on there and that um, it's successful. I think if there's interest from um, from the community to have different channels on our Discord too, like um, like a book chat or something like that, that could be something we could do too. Anything else we're doing? Jennifer and I talked about the library samplers last time. So if you choose a sampler with horror, I'll probably be the one who picks <laughs> your stuff for you. We have we have a few horror horror readers at the library. I know Mandy. Um, as a big horror reader. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can fight over it. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited for that program. I think I'm excited for more stuff to get checked out from the library. Yeah. It'll be good for, like, some of us can kind of get in a rut and go to what's familiar. So it'll be kind of cool to get some different, be able to see, people to see, like, different authors and, like, mm-hmm. movies and things that they may not have heard of before. Yeah. We get to use all of our readers' advisory training. Yes, that's my favorite. That's my favorite thing. Is it my favorite thing? Probably. I did convince Jacob to check out three books today, so. She did. (laughs) And to be fair, everything that she's recommended to me so far, I've liked. So I haven't hit a dud yet. Yeah, I mean, I do try, you know, I'm not going to give you something unless I think that you would like it. Mm. Even if it's something I really like. I might not give it to you if I don't think that you would like to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Try to keep the reader in mind. All right. Well, you have anything else to add? I don't think so. I think that pretty much covers it. Okay. Cool. Well, um, thanks for joining me today. I think it's been really cool having – I miss Elizabeth a lot, but I think it's also been really cool to have different people on um, every week. And to hear what people are up to. So next time, Angela is going to be on with me. Oh. And we're going to talk about a coming-of-age book. So I haven't picked mine out yet, but I think I have an idea of what I'm going to read. So look out for that. Listen to that. And <laughs> thanks. <laughs> my dog is really, like, demanding my attention. Thanks for listening to your shelf. Or mine. I'm Becky. And I'm Jacob. Bye. Bye-bye. 
Studio time for Your Shelf or Mine is donated by KLOG, Cooking Country, and 101.5 The Wave. We at the Longview Public Library thank our local stations for their ongoing support. Your Shelf or Mine jingle is written and performed by Megan McEldry from A Song for You. Find Megan on Facebook or Twitter at Meg McEldry or online at ReverbNation.com slash Megan McEldry. That's M-E-A-G-H-A-N-M-C-E-L-D-E-R-R-Y. ReverbNation.com slash Megan McEldry. Daniel, will you cut this part out, please? (laughs) You will.